I'm in Matthew 26, verse 6. While Jesus was in Bethany in the home of a man known as Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured out on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price than the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you. But you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. I tell you the truth. Wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. This is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to hazard a guess that every one of you have had one of these two experiences or perhaps both. Here's the experience. You walk away from a situation with people and you say to yourself, why did I say that? Why did I do that? Right? Regrets. But probably all of you have experienced the opposite of that. You've walked away from people and said to yourself, why didn't I say this? Why didn't I just take a moment to tell them that I loved or appreciated them? I would imagine that's everybody's experience. And there's a combination of both things going on in this passage. Some people went away thinking one thing, and apparently some people thought another. This passage, this story of this extravagant love could be broken down into three easy parts. The first part is an outrageous expression that comes from Mary. The second part is a practical response that came from the disciples. And the third part is a divine purpose that comes from Jesus. Jesus allows the story to play out, and then the capstone is what you might not have seen is the divine purpose. Let's begin with the extravagant, outrageous expression of love by Mary. Nard, the ointment that she used, was imported from India. It took a long time to get to the Middle East. It was very, very expensive. As a matter of fact, it was so expensive that frequently it was used as an investment. That is, you kept the nard and you kept it for a long time and you didn't really use it. You just used it to sell or to use as an investment. Sometimes nard like this was a family heirloom. It was passed down from one generation to another. And it would have been exceedingly expensive. As a matter of fact, the description of the expense associated with this nard is that it was a full year's worth of wages for an ordinary worker. Now, it's hard to determine exactly what that would have been, but just think about now. An ordinary worker's pay, whatever that is for a total year, that is what this nard was equivalent to. And Mary decides in a moment, in a moment, to break the bottle one year's worth of wages and to pour it on Jesus' feet. We have three accounts of that, actually. It's in Matthew, the one you read, Matthew 26. We have another account in Mark 14, 
And yet another account in John 12. And each one of them gives you a various look at the story and some new information. Well, we know that Jesus' feet were not the only thing. According to those three gospel authors that were anointed, actually his head was too. And really, one text says his entire body. Jesus was anointed with a costly ointment from a woman who just wanted to say, I love you. Now, there's something outrageous about pouring out an entire contents of a bottle that is worth a year in wages, but there's something else outrageous about this expression. It was absolutely a breach of protocol. If you were a woman married in that culture, your hair was on your head, wrapped in some form. Really, for all intents and purposes, the beauty of the hair of the woman was concealed, only unconcealed to her husband. It was only in the household with her husband that her hair ever came down and he saw its beauty. As a matter of fact, if your hair was down, it, it spoke something else. It spoke of a loose woman, one who would give herself to anyone. Mary, in the context of all these men, and by the way, it was full of men. Oh, and also, by the way, the critics were men. Mary takes her hair down and uses it to wipe Jesus' feet. That is utterly culturally outrageous. And she doesn't care. Because all she wants to do is to express her love to Jesus. Now you know what the response was. The response was unbelievable. Are you serious, Mary? This pure nard is expensive and could be used for better purposes such as selling it and then distributing the money to the poor. And by the way, the poor were everywhere, even more than they are for us today. And people were always right on the verge of starvation based on the life that they lived and the scarcity of their food. And in that context with people all around them who had huge poverty issues, the disciples say, really? And I say, me too. Because I know if I'd have been there, I would have asked the same question. I just know I would have. I would have looked at that situation and seen the breach in first century protocol and the expense being lavished or wasted in one place, and I would have said something like they said. Can't you figure out a better use for this? How about if you express your love in a different way? And I would have been with Judas. John's gospel tells us that. Among the others who expressed how foolish this activity was, Judas came forward specifically and expressed how outrageous it was. And then John says, in retrospect, he's writing this thing, you know, and backwards, he's looking back at the event and he's saying, oh, by the way, Judas was the one who was the treasurer and he used to routinely steal money from the treasury of the disciples. And he betrayed Jesus. And he's the one who said this. There's outrage which seems on the surface to be utterly practical but is motivated 
by someone else, something else. Uh, they said uh, in this context that she was rebuked harshly. The word harshly is actually a word that's routinely used to describe horses snorting. So they snorted at her harshly and said, are you kidding me, woman? She was doing this in the context of people that she probably thought, if anyone, would understand. And they did not. So we have an outrageous expression. And then we have a practical response. And then we have Jesus' words, which help us to understand a divine purpose. Jesus said, the poor, you're not going to have with you always. Leave her alone. What she did is a good thing. She's preparing my body for burial. Now, just imagine, place yourself in that context. They didn't know that Jesus was going to die. I mean, you, you hear about it throughout the Gospels. Even though he referred to it, they didn't get it. They didn't think it was going to happen. So in that room, they're having a great celebration. They're all eating, and Mary is anointing Jesus. And Jesus says, oh, by the way, this is for my burial. I wonder what they thought. I think it put probably a wet blanket on the occasion. But Jesus didn't care. He was speaking the truth. Now, we do know about Jesus that he was not routinely the kind of person who would dismiss the poor. As a matter of fact, the life of Jesus speaks of reaching out to the poor. So he wasn't saying the poor are unimportant, don't care for the poor. What he was saying is this. There's a moment here, folks. It's a divine moment of love and grace. And this moment is going to pass by you just like that. And you're not even seeing it because you're focused on the poor who are always going to be with you. There's always going to be those needs. Meet the needs. But right now, there's something really important happening right here in front of you. Don't miss it. There's a, a variety of translations of the Bible, as you know, and there's uh, some that are called paraphrase translations, which means they use extra words. Words that are not necessarily in the Greek text to express what the author was trying to communicate. And sometimes they're a little off and other times I just love them. I like the way several people have put it in their paraphrases. One of which is actually mine. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you guess which one. No. <laughs> How about this for a paraphrase? Leave her alone. She was saving this for my burial. She didn't know it. Neither did you. But I'm telling you, that's what it's for. Or how about this from Eugene Peterson in the message? Leave her alone. She's anticipating and honoring the day of my burial. You'll always have the poor with you. You won't always have me with you. Or how about this paraphrase? Leave her alone. Give her credit for the extravagant nature of her love. This is an act that would not be inappropriate on the day of my burial. Why is it inappropriate now? 
Leave her alone and let her express her love. By the way, Mary is mentioned three times in the Gospels. And every time she's mentioned, she's at the feet of Jesus. Remarkable woman. Stunning insights. So what's the conclusion of the matter? I mean, for us, just a few things. First is a question. Why do we wait to express our love until we've lost our love? You know, over 25 years now, I've done quite a few funerals. And when walking through funerals and the grief process with families, a constant rephrase I hear, a refrain I hear is, I wish I'd have told them. I wish they knew how much I loved them. I wish, I wish, I wish. Why is it that we wait? I read um, a book by Tony Dungy a number of years ago, the former head coach for the Indianapolis Colts. And it was about his life, and those of you who know anything about Tony Dungy know that he lost his son um, to a suicide. He told the story about a family gathering where everybody was together, including his son, and they were having a great time. It was like Thanksgiving or something, and food and fun and laughter. And he said, we were all so busy, and everybody was trying to have a good time, and, and his son had to catch a flight. And he was in a big hurry, and whoever was taking him was rushing out the door. And he said, we just said, see ya, take care, have fun, safe flight. And off he was. So that was the last time I saw him. And on that occasion, I didn't stop. I gave him a hug. And tell him how much I love him. Basically, he said, I'd like to have that moment back. Why is it that we let those moments slip by? Because we're busy? Because we feel awkward? Because we feel, well, maybe it's not the right moment because we... Whatever the reason, I think this text tells us it's not good enough. On every opportunity and every occasion where you have the ability to express your love, do it. My second uh, thought is this. It too is a question. How often do you think we actually miss divine moments of grace because we're too busy doing the right thing. Maybe those of you who are not into the right thing don't get this, but I know a lot of you are into doing it right and doing the right thing. You're organized. You're efficient. You know how to make it happen. And why is it for you and for the rest of us that in the midst of all of that, we miss the divine moments? 
third uh, comment is this in relationships. When you see a moment of divine grace like this, when you watch a Mary express her love and affection for another or for God, make sure you don't judge the act, but look for the heart in the act. Look for the fully devoted heart in the act and not whether or not it's just a little bit out of line. You know, I'm sure that Mary thought if there's any place that people will understand, surely in this context, I can express my love to Jesus this way. Sorry, Mary, not even there. Can we be that place that the Marys of the world can express their love unequivocally without being condemned? A fourth comment is this. How much are we willing to give to the kingdom of God? I mean, are, are, are we the kind of people that keep our nard Or are we the kind of people that give to the kingdom of God lavishly? Our time, our talents, our money, everything that we are. Do you see yourself in Mary or not? I, I love quotes and one quote I ran across this week was sort of an old time author quote. I, I want to read it to you. I'll read it twice. Uh, it goes like this. He says, once we surrender to expediency as the rule of action, we are in the grip of a current which will sweep us on without mercy. Read it again. Once we surrender to expediency, exclusively expediency, as the rule of action, we are in the grip of a current. Isn't that a powerful image, a current? You ever been in one? It sweeps you along. A current which will sweep us on without mercy, and we might say without love. Efficiency is not the way to express love. And Mary understood that. Another question I have, and it's this. Is there anything about your love for Jesus Christ that's outrageous? Or is it just all proper? Right place, right time, discreet. The final question is this. If this was your last day to express your thanks to God for the great love of Jesus Christ, what would this day look like? Would it change? Would you respond to life differently? I know that's a pretty high bar, right? You might say, Bob, you can't live that way every day. But maybe it's something to think about. If this was the last day to express your love to God, what would this day look like? Let's pray.
Lord, you're gracious to us by giving us examples of grace and truth and faith and love. And we have one here this morning. Um, remarkable story of uh, love that was expressed just from the heart. Sort of stepped outside the rules. There's nothing wrong with it, Lord. It just was embarrassing to some people. There was nothing wrong with it because it was appropriate, even though she or they or us might have had a different set of priorities when we approached that bottle of ointment. But on that day, Lord, she could think of nothing except your love for her and her love for you. And so she could find no better way to say thank you than to give it all. So we pray, Lord, as we um, follow you, you will give us moments of divine grace and love that are right in front of us that we don't miss. Where perhaps we encounter a Mary and we suppress our impulse to tell her to well, be efficient. And then we see what, what's in that moment to teach us about grace and love for you. And then, Lord, help us to be a part of those moments. Help us, if not always, at least by grace sometimes, to express our love the way Mary did. I know we're all different. We express love differently. Our gifting for expression is different. And so we don't want to imitate in a wooden, false way and try to shove ourselves into somebody else's life mold. But we do know, Lord, that there's ways to extravagantly, from who we are, express our love to you. And then, Lord, help us to bring those, those stories like these together with the commandment that you gave us that you called the greatest, which was to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. So give us the wisdom and the courage to love deeply and to love well and so to follow you. In whose name we pray. Amen.